Hi, Isaac. Hi, Summerhan. Uh, Isaac, I have a question for you. Okay, shoot. Have you ever heard the scream of a baby calf being separated from its mother before it's been weaned? No. <laughs> wow. No. Just some. Just just check it out. I'm Summer Ann Burton. And I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. And this is our podcast. It's called The Tell Show. We have guests come on and tell stories that they usually haven't written about or shared in public too much. We have an amazing guest that I'm very excited to talk to. His name is Sherman Alexi, and he is a writer, poet, and filmmaker. Um, and he's going to talk. He's going to tell us a good story. We're talking about food. What did, you know, when you were a kid, what was your favorite oh, food? Oh, man. Let your- me tell you. There's a lot of like spaghettios in my uh, in my past. A lot of uh, like spaghetti uh, served with a slice of bread. I still eat that sometimes. You know, eating eating healthy uh, on a low income is never easy. Uh, and then I, when I was like 12, I made this really good friend, uh, and I spent a lot of time at his house. Also, uh, low income family, but of a different variety. Not a lot of uh, attention paid to trying to be healthy and more attention to just like microwave burritos. And like when you're 12, that is exactly what you want. So, and, and while I was with that friend, um, it had to be like McDonald's 50th anniversary, 100th anniversary. Some, <laughs> some McDonald's was stoked. McDonald's, they like, they made up this thing. They made up this thing. They were like, we're going back to the original McDonald's prices. Mm. hamburgers for 25 cents cheeseburgers for 35 cents so like we would go there every sunday without fail and just all the money that we could come up with and we would buy cheeseburger and hamburgers and we'd bring them back to my friend's house and he had one of those giant like coffin style freezers and we would just fill it up with hamburgers and cheese and man we were kings and that went on i want to say for a month before mcdonald's was like oh we are losing (laughs) suddenly (laughs) so much money on this and like they made a rule it was like only one hamburger per guest and those mcdonald's hamburgers actually like once you get down to only one per guest that's not even a meal yeah that's a snack i appreciate that but that's my food story amazing (laughs) it's how all this got built it's funny because i also ate a fair amount of mcdonald's as a teenager but um in a very specific context like i became a vegetarian when i was 12 but i was also a very picky eater before becoming a vegetarian i had like very specific things that i like to eat and then i had this job i worked at a stable uh, doing like manual labor all day and I didn't really get time to eat. And so I had to like eat something really hearty in the morning and I would get three egg McMuffins with no meat, just egg and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Summer. (laughs) And that was my, that was my breakfast lunch. Anyway, shout out to McDonald's all day breakfast. You have been my worst enemy since I became a vegan. This episode has been brought to you by McDonald's. (laughs) Sherman Alexi is a writer, poet, and filmmaker. He's the author of The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian, which earned him a National Book Award in 2007. He has a children's book, Thunderboy Jr., coming out this May. 
Sherman, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. We're going to be talking about food, and you're going to tell us a story about that. But we like to warm up with a little uh, party game called Never Have I Ever. Okay. Have you ever played Never Have I Ever? I've, I've seen it, but I've never played it. Isaac, do you want to explain the rules to Sherman? Yes. The rules of Never Have I Ever, uh, it's very simple. You will state something that you have never done, and then everyone else, uh, we ring a bell. If you've never done it. If you have done it. Okay. So you would state something you have never done, and uh-huh. then if I had done it, I ring a bell. Okay. I would ring a bell. And then we'll talk about it a little bit. Isaac, do you want to get us started? Yes. I will get us started. I'm a 33-year-old man, and never have I ever baked a cake. Oh. Mm, just me? I've made pie. Ooh, Ooh. That's a higher level of difficulty. I wasn't any good at it. When was this? This was home ec in high school. Do you remember what type of pie it was? It was a rhubarb pie, actually, because we were supposed to bring local food to make it with. So we had a rhubarb patch in my backyard, so I brought in rhubarb and tried to make rhubarb pie with that. (laughs) It ended up being crunchy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, crunchy and pie are things that don't go together well. Never have I ever been put under. I've never gone under anesthesia. Ooh, Ooh. all of us. Sherman, you've never been put under for a Oh, was I, I, I got confused. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. See, I think I'm under anesthesia now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been under anesthesia four times in the last three years. Oh, wow. For uh, dental surgery, hand surgery, a colonoscopy, and I had... Some brain surgery in December. Wow. Holy smokes. What's getting brain surgery like? Were you scared? It's my third brain surgery. Okay. This one was minor. I didn't know that minor brain surgery was like two two words you could put together. Well, well that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens when you're incredibly privileged Americans. You get to have minor brain surgery. Right. But uh, it was to remove a benign growth from the surface of my brain. Hmm. That's incredible. And also, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, it, it well, it's hard to tell, as the nurses and doctors said, when you're somebody like me who can storytell past all deficiencies, <laughs> the storytelling can mask a lot of symptoms. So, you know, who knows what's wrong with me now? So how about you? Do you have a never have I ever? Yeah, uh, I'm 49. I have never been called for jury duty until last week. Oh, I well, to. I mean, I, 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 I sort of used it as a point of pride that I'd never been called, thinking that in whatever particular level of the justice system my name popped up, they'd immediately look at the name and say, no, he's far too commie, anarchist, atheist, <laughs> leftist to serve on any jury. And then they just push me aside. Yes. But I applied for a deferral because of my short-term memory stuff going on. I don't think they want a guy three months from brain surgery serving on a jury, or maybe they do. sir have a a story you're going to tell us about food well it's about food anthropology about evolution and and actually about politics as well now there are plenty of native americans who would insist that we were created here in what we now call the united states north south america as if our gardens of eden were here 
which is anthropologically speaking, not true. And a lot of Native Americans will be mad at me for saying such. They will really get angry. In fact, is that we did emigrate, immigrate most directly from Asia and our most direct ancestors are Asians or common ancestors are Asians. And there's various proof of that. We have shovel-shaped incisors that we share with Asian folks. Uh, we look like Asian folks. Uh, but one of the big things is Native Americans are lactose intolerant like Asians are. In fact, the ability to digest lactose as an adult is a European mutation. So, which was the name of my punk band in <laughs> high school. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I am lactose intolerant, but I've been in denial about it my whole life. So I probably actually lead the United States, at least, uh, in, in times having pooped my pants while sober. Whoa! <laughs> it's predictable. Like, I have ice cream the night before, and then the next day... I have to be wary, you know, I should get an app for the lactose intolerant that shows you where all the public restrooms are in the vicinity. And coming back from basketball one night, I lost it and ended up in a car wash taking care of myself. And I thought I was really lucky to have been in a car wash. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, I walked into the house about midnight and my wife, who was in bed, I, I, I walked in to the bedroom and it was dark and I was being quiet and my wife from the bed in the dark said, you pooped your pants again, didn't you? And I said, how did you know that? And she said, by the way you're walking. You were saying, um, that you've been in denial uh, up until like the last 15 years. So was that something, were you aware that you were lactose intolerant when you were growing up? Well, I think much in the same way that a lot of people who have other food allergies, I think if you love the food enough, and, and then without any real medical knowledge, you just don't connect the two things. So I never connected my upset stomach to dairy. What changed? How did you come to realize? Well, it gets worse and worse okay. and worse and worse. So, and it actually causes great physical pain now. So it's just impossible for me to be in denial about it. But my brother-in-law, who is uh, native as well, <laughs> he's in utter denial about it. Uh, he continues to eat dairy and he's living with us now. So, you know, he just creates crime scenes you know, all over our house, you know, and, and he has friends who are in denial about it, too, because the thing is to admit it, on, to admit that you're lactose intolerant as a Native American, then you have to delve into the politics uh, of saying that we're descended from Asian folks, because then that gets into colonialism, because one of the arguments for Natives against colonialism is the fact that, you know, not only were we here first, we were created here, so we have this, you know, original connection, this original relationship with the land that nobody else has. But if you admit you're lactose intolerant, then you're putting in that small doubt that, well, we just got here first. And getting here first doesn't have the same political power as saying we've always been here. Well, it's also like interesting to me that you mentioned this idea that 
being toler- being lactose tolerant was a mutation because it's always seemed to me like this mystery, like why would humans drink the milk of other animals? It's such a weird thing to do. Uh, we don't really see it in any other animal in nature. Well, imagine that humans doing something strange. <laughs> I just want to know like who the first person to like decide to milk a cow and drink what came out was. <laughs> that, that's a brave person. Well, in high school, I dated... Uh, a dairy farmer's daughter, and on a couple occasions, I was helping her milk, meaning I was watching her milk, <laughs> and uh, she actually pointed the cow's teat at me and sprayed it in my mouth, which I imagine a lot of folks would find disgusting, but is one of the most pleasant erotic memories of my entire life. Do you now, you don't consume lactose at all ever, or is it still something you occasionally indulge in? I, I, I will still indulge in it, but I will shove an overdose of lactate pills Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't want to live in a world where I couldn't eat a double-double with cheese. I miss cheese like crazy. I, I, I miss the idea of having a cheese plate. You know, when I'm traveling on the road and feeling lonely and self-destructive, most artists, when they're on the road and feeling self-destructive, do booze and cocaine and groupies and throw TVs out the window. I, I gaze longingly at the room service menu at the cheese plate, and, and then I don't order it. You should look into nut cheese. Nut? Oh, that... that <laughs> That sounds like a really bad website. It's a- <laughs> yeah, please, Summer Ann, go on. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm vegan for animal-related reasons, but I make a lot of n- nut-based cheeses. <laughs> you know, I firmly understand and empathize about your morals about animals, but I don't understand fake cheese. Do you have a moment uh, where you kind of we're coming to terms with this and you were like okay maybe this is actually a, the, the real thing with me this is like a lactose my intolerant this is real like did you have like a one defining moment where you're like okay yes I, I need to admit to this now in Charleston South Carolina in a hotel room where I got in on a Thursday night and I had a free Friday because my gig wasn't till noon on Saturday. So I thought I have a completely free day in Charleston and I wanted to explore and I was excited and I got in and had a room service dinner and had uh, pasta with cheese and, and I had coffee with cream and I had pie, dairy, I had, you know, <laughs> banana cream pie. I just, I just went crazy. Smokes. I, I, you know, it was like I, if, if it was like if I was a drug addict, I had three different kinds of cocaine. I had cocaine and I had crack and I had meth. And, and uh, uh, about three that morning, I woke up rumbling and uh, I, I ended up actually uh, wounded by the amount of time I spent on the toilet. Oh, buddy. Oof. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you're laying in a super fancy hotel room in Charleston, South Carolina for about 28 hours, in actual physical pain from the dairy you ate, uh, you know, if you can think of rock bottom, I think 28 hours in a Charleston, South Carolina room, uh, tending to wounds based on over pooping. <laughs> I, I think I think that qualifies. I mean, did, did you miss the gig? 
I didn't miss the gig, but let's just say I had to procure medical uh, shields that generally aren't used on a man. Oh my god! <laughs> this I I have friends who have gotten sober over less. Yeah, like, so <laughs> I got sober. I got cheese sober. <laughs> We do have three questions we like to ask every guest before we end the show, and uh, Isaac is going to ask you the first one. The first question is, what was your last kiss like? Well, my wife kissed me goodnight last night, and uh, I really kept my lips tight because I realized I hadn't brushed my teeth in like 12 hours. (laughs) It was, you know, the ritual of being in love with this woman and also the... uh, good husband role of protecting her from my wretched <laughs> gum line. Um, okay, the next question is, when was the last time you cried? The last time I cried was in a meeting last week with my friend and I was talking about the death of my mother who died last July and I was talking about the continuing surprising memories that are coming back to me. So I guess you could say I cried out of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder about her death and about the difficult life we shared together. This last question uh, is, is to be interpreted any way that you want. And it's, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Well, medically speaking, I am bipolar. So, I, you know, the, uh, the older term, the more vivid description is manic depression. So I am diagnosed and medicated, but it still pops up. Uh, I still go on manic binges. I still get depressed, just not to the same levels. Other than that, let's see, I have had brain surgery. I have a bad back. I have a bad left ankle. On a meta level, I'm an impulsive, arrogant, inappropriate uh, secular fool. Oh, we are really happy though <laughs> that you have the fucking audacity to come on the show and share and talk with us about the things that you've talked about though. We really appreciate it. Sherman Alexi is a writer, poet, and filmmaker. And don't forget his children's book, Thunderboy Jr., is coming out in May. Sherman, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Next time on The Tell Show, we're going to be talking about romance. Excuse me, sir. I'm asking people one simple question. What is the craziest thing you've ever done for love? Nothing. (laughs) I think probably the craziest thing I've ever done for love is just to show up unexpectedly with flowers. Clearly the craziest thing I've ever done for love is this baby. (laughs) But she's a joy. Surprisingly, most men actually like to get flowers, and they don't get them. You know, it was, uh, it was worth it for the look on his face. Can I ask you a question? What is the craziest thing you've ever done for love? For love? Uh, I don't remember. It was a long time ago, probably, and singing in front of the windows, like a serenade or something like that. Can you sing a, a little bit? Well, I don't know. Which, I don't remember exactly the song. Was that I was a little bit drunk. 
I guess the craziest thing I ever did for love is adopt my son. And it took us three years and a lot of too many ups and downs to bring him home. And now finally he's here. Well, I'm currently um, dating someone who, this is kind of different than the question you asked, but I want to tell him I love him so badly. I like adore him. We've been dating for seven months and we haven't said it yet. I've never said it to anyone before and I'm trying to figure out how to do it because I've been in so many situations where it's like on the tip of my tongue, I'm ready to say it and I just get so scared and I like am physically incapable of putting the words together. So I'm working on it and I'm trying to trying to get there. I'm like, I think I'm really close. Hopefully like this coming week is my goal. The Tell Show is produced by Meg Kramer. With editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss-Berman. And production help from Julia Furlon and Eleanor Kagan. Thanks so much to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios for recording the show. And thank you to Love Inks who composed our music. You can always email us at thetellshow at buzzfeed.com. Send me your recipes. I want them. (laughs) And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll be back with another episode next week.